Hello and welcome to Doug's Front Porch, a podcast where I get to sit down with friends, old and new, and have honest conversations. Today's a little bit of a different episode from what we've had in the past. I'm not going to interview anybody. I don't have anybody in the studio here, and I don't have anybody on the line. It's just me and the microphone today. And I want to take an opportunity to do this episode because I felt it was important based on something that recently happened in my life. I'm recording this at the end of April, and we are still at the height of the coronavirus here in Pennsylvania. We are still in lockdown mode. We have to wear face masks out in public. A lot of people have been laid off from their jobs. Schools are closed. We know the situation. But what happened to me and my family here this month was nothing that was planned. And it's another aspect of how the coronavirus changes, has has changed everything. On the 16th of April, I lost my grandmother, not to the coronavirus. She was 91. She'd lived a really good long life, and I plan on talking about that a little bit in this episode. But she died at a time when America was not anything close to normal. If you aren't aware, and hopefully you're not, uh, that you haven't had to go through the loss of a loved one during this time period, but because of regulations and rules that are associated with our fight against corona. Funerals and the grieving process has completely changed in America during this time period. There was no opportunity to have a viewing for our family, and there was also no real opportunity to have an actual funeral. Uh, We were told by the undertaker uh, that we could have as many as 10 people at the funeral home, but that was it. Of course, we had to wear masks the entire time, uh, and we were allowed to have a graveside ceremony, but anybody that attended had to stay at least six feet apart from each other, and no hugs, no handshakes, no pat on the back. All of that has changed how my family had to deal with the loss of a loved one. We're raised in a society where when someone passes, there's rituals that you go through, whether it's a viewing or some kind of life celebration, or a a traditional funeral with church uh, and faith at the center of it. I grew up with that as a basis, of course, as most of you did too. And to automatically have that completely taken away was hard. Mourning the loss of a loved one is difficult no matter what, but I found it to be even more difficult this time Not just because my grandmother and I were very close or that she was highly influential in making the person that I am, but just that I didn't feel that myself and my family were able to mourn and grieve the way that we know how to. This virus has forced us to grieve in a different way. And it also made me realize that friends and family of my grandmother were also robbed of that opportunity to grieve and mourn the way that we're used to doing it. People couldn't come to the viewing to send their condolences or say their condolences to my grandfather or my dad or anyone in our family. There were no reassuring hugs. There were no handshakes with a pat on the back saying everything will be all right. I'm here for you. Call if you need Of course, people were able to send cards and leave messages on social media and uh, send condolence cards to our homes, but it just wasn't the same. Had my grandmother passed in a different time, a time without corona, I would have given a eulogy at her funeral, 
But since we didn't have a proper funeral or we couldn't have a proper funeral, I was robbed of that opportunity. So I'm taping this episode to give the eulogy that I would have given at my grandmother's funeral if I would have been allowed to. Um, if you don't feel like listening through to this, then that's fine. Go on to the next episode. But bear with me if you're going to stay. I want to I share and talk about the life of my grandmother, Alma H. Maidenford. Um, my brother and I were extremely blessed as children that blessed and lucky that we were the only grandchildren for both sets of our grandparents. On my mom's side of the family, uh, my mom had a brother who was never married and never had any children. So we were the only grandchildren for our grandparents, Joe and Arlene Bauer. And on my dad's side of the family, he was an only child. So again, my brother and I were the only grandchildren for our paternal grandparents, Ray and Alma Maidenford. And we were raised by and with our four grandparents. My brother and I did not go to a daycare when we were children. We didn't go to babysitters. Our grandparents were our babysitters. Both of our parents worked. So when we were before we were in school, uh, we would be dropped off at my maternal grandparents, which only lived a mile from the farm where we grew up. And they raised us as my parents worked. Uh, and every Saturday night, we were at our paternal grandparents' for a sleepover maybe not every saturday night but darn near and we would have this ritual that became known as saturday nights at our grandparents house we'd have dinner maybe we'd go out and do some shopping or we just stayed home and watched whatever tv was on that night which was typical the next morning we'd get up have breakfast and then go to church that was the tradition growing up and Yes, my brother and I might not have had a normal childhood in the sense that we were always playing with other kids our age, but I would not go back and trade that childhood for anything in the world. Growing up with our grandparents taught us a lot about being good people, about how to interact with older people than us, and also how to respect older people because they've lived a life full of experience, and those experiences most likely could teach us something. Not only that, but again, blessed the fact that all four of my grandparents were Pennsylvania Dutch speakers, and they never once told my brother and I to be ashamed of our culture, of our language, of who we are as people. They never told us not to say words that were Pennsylvania Dutch words. If anything, they encouraged it. And that's another, that's not normal for most people from our generation, Pennsylvania Dutch culture and language was not necessarily suppressed or oppressed, but it definitely wasn't held in high esteem by most people in the sense that they were passing the language on to another generation in the 1980s and 1990s. But I want to take some time now to talk about my grandmother herself. Her life and her childhood was difficult. She was born on the 6th of March, 1929, at the family farm in Kirbyville, Pennsylvania, which is between Reading and Kutztown. She was the youngest of four children, and she came on pretty late behind. She often wondered if she was an oops. Uh, we don't know that for sure. But the years between her oldest sister and her were uh, uh, quite a bit. Her oldest sister was born in 1916. Grandma was born in 1929. And then there were two brothers in between. She suffered a lot of loss in her childhood, her mother died in 1937 from what Grandma always called a blood disease. What it actually was, I 
We don't know. It could have been a form of leukemia, maybe. But she died when Grandma was only seven, going on eight. And I asked Grandma one time about what that was like to lose her mom so young. And Grandma didn't really tell me emotionally how that was for her, but she did share two stories with me that give us a a window into the past of what life was like in 1937 on a Pennsylvania Dutch farm in rural southeastern Pennsylvania. First, my grandmother remembered that it was the first time that she ever baked a cake on her own. She baked a cake for the funeral at the age of eight, seven or eight. I guess grandma would have been eight by the time that my great-grandmother passed. She also said that while she was baking that cake, she remembers distinctly looking out the kitchen window and seeing the undertaker embalming her mother right there on the back porch. It was a different time, that's for sure. In Pennsylvania Dutch tradition, the grandmother, her, her mother was then brought into the farmhouse and the funeral was held right there in the living room. Two memories from my grandmother that I share with you. She suffered loss again in 1944 at the age of 15 when her brother, Milton, was killed in action during World War II in France. He had been drafted in 1942, as most young men were in that time period, was shipped off to Europe where he saw action in the, in the campaign in Sicily and throughout Italy, was then sent to England, and then made his way to France in the post-D-Day push to Germany, where he finally lost his life in a foxhole in St. Lo, France. So she, lo she had that loss too. But she suffered good, she didn't suffer, let me replace that. She had good things too about her life. Because then she married my grandfather in December of 1946, and they were married for 73 years. 73 years. There's many people that don't live that long, let alone to be married for that long. My grandmother was a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother. And each one of those roles, she lived to the fullest. And all of those roles, she lived with love, with true love. She was active, very active, in our church at Becker St. Peter's Lutheran Church in Mulltown, where she taught Sunday school for 40 years. And having been a student in her <laughs> Sunday school class, there was no joking around about the importance of passing on her faith to, 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 other, to another generation. It was all business when we were in that Sunday school classroom. But I learned a lot about my faith through her. One thing that I'll always be thankful for is that in our church, uh, I never saw my grandfather or my father sing any of the hymns. But my grandmother, who had a beautiful soprano voice, sang loud enough to make up for those two. And it taught me that singing, particularly hymns in church, was not only something that you did, but it was a part of your worship and part of your celebration of your faith. And to this day, I sing probably louder than I should in church, <laughs> much to the chagrin of my wife next to me and maybe some of the people that sit around me, but I do it unabashedly. And I thank my grandmother for instilling that in me. She was a very active member of the Order of Eastern Star, which for those of you who don't know, is a branch of the Masonic fraternity. She had followed in her mother's footstep, who was a member of the Eastern Star, uh, where she, uh, my grandmother, was a member for over 60 years. She uh, held the position of worthy matron, which is the head of that group. She also held the position of a district deputy, which is uh, 
a position even higher where she was the head of a bunch of different local chapters. Uh, and she always found not only friendship in that fraternity, but also a calling that through that fraternity, she could do good works for other people through the many charitable uh, things that Eastern Star does. And it was through me watching her in that organization that I learned the importance of brotherhood and fraternity and, and pushed me to join the Masonic fraternities as well. And I'm a proud member of the Order of Eastern Star today because of my grandmother. When I look back at her life, there are many memories that flood into my mind, particularly this last weekend as we met to have her funeral and say goodbye one last time. My grandmother always loved flowers. There were always flowers planted around her house outside. There were always flowers inside. Of course, I mentioned the singing in church. Her devotion to family, as I mentioned, was full and complete. She had an undying support for all that I and my brother did, whether it was attending Little League games when we were cleaning out some of the house this weekend, we found a box and she had saved every program from every concert that I had performed in from elementary school through middle school, through high school. And she even made the trip up to Lock Haven university a couple times with my mom to attend some of our choir concerts. She had all of those in a box and all of the stuff from my brother as well. When I started working on Pennsylvania Dutch stuff and started working in regards to publishing and, and doing that type of work in the dialect, she never, ever told me anything other than keep doing it. What you're doing is important. And that she loved everything that I did. And she bought copies of every book that I've authored. And she not only bought those things and supported me in that way, but she told every person she knew to go out and buy those books too. That was the person that she was. She made the best damn red velvet cake that has ever been made. And I only hope that I can someday figure out how to make it exactly like hers. I have the recipe, but I've tried it. It's just not the same. And I... <laughs> I hope someday to be able to make it just like she did. Her mincemeat pie is something that I'll cherish as these foods that we remember of hers. And my God, her hot bacon dressing. Even if you're not Pennsylvania Dutch. If you had a plate of my grandmother's homemade hot bacon dressing on dandelion or on lettuce, you would become a convert overnight. I love in the recipes that I collected from her, these descriptions of how to make these things because they weren't traditional, I mean, they were not typical recipes in the sense that, and I give the example of her cottage cheese pie recipe, for the amount of butter that you're supposed to use, it's written about the size of a walnut. And when making hot bacon dressing, as she walked me through this recipe so that I got it exactly the right way, as I was making it, she was standing next to me at the stove, and she said, all right, now start stirring. And I did. And I said, well, how do you know when it's done? And she said, well, You'll know. And I said, well, you got to give me more than that, Grandma. What if, how am I supposed to know? She goes, it's a feel. I said, well, how do you explain that feel? How do you describe it? And her comment to me was, well, you want to get it to about the consistency of Walshmir. Walshmir in Pennsylvania Dutch is the word for axle grease for like on old wagons. Uh, and I said, well, 
I think I know what that means in the sense of I had worked with grease on the farm. I knew the consistency. So that's how I make my bacon dressing today, too. You cook it just to the point that it's wawashmir, but don't let it get any thicker than that. Otherwise, you're in trouble. <laughs> Those things are things that I never could have learned in any book or any recipe card. It was only through her that I was able to do that I'm able to do those things today. My grandmother lived her life by three maxims: family, faith, and hard work. Hard work came natural to her. She was the daughter of a dairy farmer. She would marry a dairy farmer, and together they would run a dairy farm for years. And when they sold the dairy farm, she went right into another job. Her house was always clean, her clothes were always ironed. That was all part of work. And hard work, there is no substitute. And that is something else that she and our culture has taught me. Her faith was strong, undying, even in times of trouble, like the passing of her mother, the passing of her brother. And when we lost my mom to cancer in 2006, somehow my grandmother stood like a rock through all of that. Of course, she mourned, and I saw her cry, but her faith never wavered. Something that stays strong with me, again, thanks to her. And family, family came natural to my grandmother. If you look up a storybook definition of what a grandmother is, or is supposed to be like, you would find my grandmother's name in her picture. There's no doubt about that in my mind. She loved completely. Fully. And now that she's gone, I can only hope that the many lessons that she has taught me throughout life, I can pass on to my children. And hopefully someday to my grandchildren too. Because what I've learned from my grandmother over the years is much more than what I can ever say in a couple minutes here on a podcast. But I wanted all of you to get to know my grandmother a little better. Since so many people were robbed of the opportunity to mourn properly because of the coronavirus, this was my one way to reach out to those people and tell them what I would have said had we been able to. I thank all of you out there who have shared support in the passing of my grandmother. And for those that had never met her, and you're only learning a little bit about her today via this podcast, trust me, if you would have met her, she would have invited you in, had some kind of baked good ready, and a cup of coffee most likely as well, ready to pour for you at her table. Because that's the person that she was. And now she rests in heaven with all of her family that has gone before. And I take solace in that. And I also take solace in the fact that her mark on me is permanent. And I love her all the more for that. Thank you for listening to Doug's Front Porch, a conversational podcast with your host, Doug Maidenford. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Doug's Front Porch. Also, please feel free to tell all of your friends about the show. I'll see you next time on My Front Porch.